Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 48 for Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. Welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And out in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it, Mr. Kent? It goes absolutely wonderful today. I'm, I don't know. I'm in a great mood today. There's a lot of interesting things, interesting things going on. But you should be you should be on cloud nine, either exhausted or on cloud nine. You just came back from like you know, a tropical destination, seeing one of your favorite bands. Yeah, I did. It, it, uh, yeah, I was down in Mexico. Lisa and I saw fish for, uh, they played three nights. We were down there for four and, uh, it was awesome down in Mexico. It was, uh, the weather worked out great. It was supposed to rain all weekend and, uh, it rained maybe for a half hour during one of the shows, uh, which was fine. Cause it was kind of during the second set. So it didn't matter. We didn't have to like wait around in the rain. It was just kind of, you know, while the band was playing, it was no big deal. It was warm. And uh, the way they had this stage set up, uh, we were right next to the water. I mean, we stood barefoot in the sand and watched the band play all weekend. Wow. That's the, so great. For the last song, you know, we like to kind of, I mean, we don't, we weren't like up on the rail, but we were in front of the soundboard. And it, and I mean, this was a really small venue. There was 5,000 people total there. Uh, plenty of room for everybody. Really well done. Never a bathroom line never a food line nothing you know it's just just go do what you want to do but um we figured you know we got to do for at least one song we got to go down and stand in the water and watch the the band play because when else are we going to be able to stand in the caribbean sea and and you know watch fish and and that sort of thing so Yeah, yeah. on the final night, but we knew we'd be kind of, you know, we weren't far away, but we were sort of off at an angle. The stage was perpendicular to the to the shoreline. So, you know, we were sort of off on an angle if we went down to the water, but we knew lots of people were there and and we knew you could hear. You just couldn't really see much other than just lights, you know, Uh, but they kept lighting up the ocean and stuff with the with the lighting rig and stuff. But um, so after the second set ended uh, on uh, Sunday night, the last night. We had made plans and we just kind of, you know, grabbed our stuff and went down to the water to watch the encore or to listen to the encore. And of course, when we get down there, I mean, there's just a zillion people in the water and the water's warm. And uh, Fish played a song they'd never played before. The the final song they played for the encore was uh, uh, Led Zeppelin's The Ocean, which was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And they rocked it. Those guys are smart. They are smart. Yeah, they're clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know what they're doing. So. Is there are there other opportunities to see fish in a five thousand person venue? Does is this happen a couple times a year? No, it's been it's the last time I saw him in a five thousand person venue. Uh, I believe the calendar started with one nine uh, in, in terms of the year. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen him in a in a place that small. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was good, and Excellent. everybody was happy and. You know, and and plus, I'd never done the all inclusive resort thing before. I'd done cruises, but um, but the the all inclusive resort thing was fun. It was you know it was really kind of nice, laid back, and just do whatever you want. So yeah, we had a good time. Well, that's great. Hey, um, so while you were gone, I got a couple things to share with you. Yeah, go ahead. 
So while you were gone, I reached out. There's a a Facebook group called Cover Band Central that I really, really like. They do a super job of curating interesting information. Sometimes they're just linking to stories. Sometimes they're, you know, stimulating some discussions or anything, things like that. But I check that page almost every day. I really, really like it. And so since they do kind of a similar thing to what we do, just in a different medium, I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, we're kind of doing the same thing. Let's check each other out and see and see uh you know if there's some mutually mutual good interest and i got an immediate response back the guy who runs the page is a really nice guy steve witchell is his name he's a a cover musician in in, uh, new orleans gigs six nights a week whoa yeah i mean this guy's hardcore anyway you know we just kind of exchanged pleasantries and then he said, oh, let me go check out some of your episodes. And then he said, call me tonight. So this all happened in real time. So I called and we talked for a while. He was like the nicest guy. He was like, you know what? I feel like when I listen to you guys, it's like talking to my buddies in my living room. This is the stuff we talk about. Let, let's do some stuff. So, you know, I posted a link to one of his articles on our Facebook page. He posted about us and, you know, a bunch of new people discovered uh, Gig Gab as a result of it. But we got to have Steve on the show. He's a really, really nice guy. Very passionate, doing things for the right reasons. I mean, he, he's, he's our type of people, Dave. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've uh, in, in an episode or two in the past, we've talked about an article that I, that I believe was sourced by by, you know, from from that page or whatever that they had linked to or, or maybe even that they had written. So, yeah, I was aware of it. You had turned me on to it, I guess, about, I don't know, six or eight months ago, right, when, right, right after we started. But, yeah, man, that sounds great. Oh, it's yeah. good he, to find just a really, really people. nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you know, he he writes many articles and posts them himself and then he curates and posts other interesting things that are going on. So yeah. it's a great resource. A lot of good, you know, motivational business advice, you know, how to keep your head up, you know, when things aren't going good type of advice, technical chops advice. Sometimes it's just funny lists and stuff like that. So it's a nice read that I check in just about every day. And like I said, the cat is just a really, really super guy. So I'd like to invite him on the show in the next. Uh, you know, there's three or four shows yeah. and uh, just kind of let him riff. I mean, this is, this is a guy who's six nights a week that you did not a lot of people that you can talk to that are working that much. And uh, I'm sure he has a lot of things that he can share that can make life interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of playing. It's been, um, it's been a long time since I've played that frequently. That that's, that's hard work. That's hard. It's real yeah. work. Yeah. 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 It's not, I mean, it's fun work, but yeah, yeah, it's work. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. And then, and then other than that, um, let's see. So I'm doing something kind of interesting out here. So my town runs a, a music series in the summer times. It's one of these civic concert series that I kind of told you about that my band plays quite a few of. And my town actually runs a very, very successful one. And uh, the people who had been doing it have decided not to do it. And the town needed someone to step in uh-huh. and take it over. So. You know, from my day job gig, you know, event management is kind of something I have some experience with and uh, a passion for the local music scene is something I have. I have some passion for. And so um, I'm part of a group that is making a presentation to our town council tonight about taking over the running of this uh, of this music series. And while while thinking about telling you about this, you know, it's an interesting thing because. Um, I'm not doing this for a gig. I've already got a gig, mm. right? You know, we are, we actually 
you know, play one of the, the shows in our town. This is really about wanting it to happen. I want good music in my town. I want my town to be known for good music. I love what happens when communities come together. Our, I love what happens when my community comes around uh, to, to experience music together. So I, it's just a really cool thing. But the whole process, and it's funny because in the, in the preparation, like we, we sent a proposal over and the, the path to this, is apparently fraught with politics. Like there's of a lot of people with a lot of yeah. opinions, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which I have no interest in. Yeah, but you're, you're about to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, as long as uh, it, it, and again, if it doesn't work out, it's fine. No skin off my nose. We put, you know, maybe, maybe 20, 30 hours into the preparation for this presentation. And it would be a lot of work, you know, ongoing to run this well. And it's, you know, it's like a 2,000 to 4,000 person concert series every week. So it's, you know, not small. People love it. It's part of the fabric of my community. I would love to have a hand in making sure that it goes on in a quality way. I think I have to abstain myself from voting because I have so many friends and bands that are around. You know, it'd be kind of like, <clears throat> I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I you know, I, I think I'd like to make sure the event happens. I might seed my own opinions about who would be good sure. for this series serve my community but i kind of am feeling like i'm gonna back away a little bit from some of the the nuts and bolts of the band selection because i'm a little too close to it yeah that yeah yeah i don't know i mean i i, I are you hearing those noises is where's that coming from um or are they just happening in my ears? little beeps yeah i don't know what's going on here um but something's binging me anyway uh, i don't know if it's which one of us it is but yeah it, my point is, you've got integrity, right? I, and I know that you wouldn't just play favorites for the sake of playing favorites. Now, it also makes sense that if you were involved in booking bands or anything for this, you would pick people that you trusted and that you knew would come and deliver. Just like we were talking about, you know, any anytime we've talked about booking, right? You, you know, on either side of it, you're always going to work with people that you can trust. Uh, and it, you know, it takes a lot to bring in somebody that, uh, that is an unknown and that sort of thing. But I, I can't imagine that the people of Los Gatos see you any differently than I do in that regard. Now I, I get that there's politics that, that, you know, that people will take things and twist them because, or potentially could take things and twist them, not because they think that you're being, insincere or or um uh, you know working outside of the best interests of the organization but just because they have their own agenda and and so maybe that's a good reason to stay out of it i don't know yeah i mean it's the people i don't know that would be more of the problem than the people i do know i, right. you know, I think i've earned a certain amount of respect and trust that's that's for sure but you know once you get into these kind of realms of like public participation is a different thing but you know it, this is like I, i've been thinking we should do an episode on band leadership which is really an episode an episode on leadership because the sure. concepts are and and sometimes the task of being a leader in whatever endeavor is keeping your head down letting everyone else around you get the credit for things yes. and you know just making sure a good a good a good result happens as a result of you're, you're a facilitator to something good. And that's actually something I'm very, very keenly aware of with this. I, I, this, I wouldn't want this to be about me in any way, shape or form. I well, mean, there's the other thing. people working it, very hard. 
That's what I mean about being, you know, having integrity. You're doing it not to get the credit for doing it. You're doing it because you want it to succeed. And I'm, I'm a full believer that that stuff comes around. Like, you know, oh, yeah. if I do a good job, you know, I, I'm going to let karma take over and uh, and just do what needs to be done. I, I'm excited about it because it's a it's a cool project about music, even though I'm not playing. I, you know, I like to give back. I like, I think everybody should be giving back in some way, shape or form, but um, it's just kind of a cool thing I wanted to share with you that, um, hey, how about this? Uh, rising water, rising tide raises all boats. That's Absolutely. what this is about. Oh no. And that, and that is a good thing for you. And it, and it makes sense that you'd be, you know, have a, have a self-interest there, right? You know, if you help foster a music scene, well, that means more opportunities for everyone to play, including you. Right. Right. And and, right. and when we talked to Steve Sayakotis about that, you know, his whole concept of building an acoustic music scene. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a, a portion of that that's self-serving, but that's that's Absolutely. OK. As long as you're sort of transparent about it, I, I don't I don't see a problem with it, you know. But I yep. also know, I, you know, I've lived in New England uh, enough of my life to completely understand small town politics um, and and to also understand that. Even me with my big mouth and liking or enjoying <laughs> poking the bear at times, uh, there are you? there are limits to that. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else. Um, House Rockers have an interesting gig this week. It's It's only interesting in that. With all of the misfortune that we've had in the music industries, you know, losing so many wonderful talents. We're actually this this gig on Saturday night. We'll have a a song that's a tribute to Mick Gillette, trumpet player for Tower of Power. Yeah. We'll have a song that was co-written by Glenn Frey, and we'll, we're going to do a Bowie song. So just kind of sending it out there into the ether that uh, these gods of music have bestowed so much on us and uh, the best way to honor them. And I hope a lot of bands are doing that. Whatever your relation, whatever, you know, your connection is to any of the artists that have passed recently, that is the best way to honor someone is to let their music get out there in the world and move someone again. It's true. I was, um, you know, and we spent a lot of time in the last episode talking about musicians passing. It was obviously centered around David Bowie, but, uh, but, you know, we've kind of had that conversation. However, last night, you know, when I found out that Glenn Fry passed, I was shocked. I, I had no idea that he was sick. Although, that's just because I wasn't paying attention. I, you know, I realized they had canceled mm. some gigs in the fall and, and that sort of thing, but it really hit me. You know, he was, he was younger than Bowie was. He was 67 and uh, I had just seen him, you know, whatever, a year and a half ago or a year ago, whatever it was and expected that I would see him again. You know, uh, I'm glad I got the opportunity obviously now, but, um, but I was thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, wh what can we do in the show here that that honors this without it simply being, you know, a rerun of of last week's episode? Um, and like you, I'm playing a gig this weekend and I think a lot of folks are going to be playing gigs this weekend because it's what we do. And a lot of folks are going to be playing songs to honor these these people that have that have passed, you know, and, and Glenn Fry is going to be one of them. And I figure Take It Easy is a tune that people are going to be that are that's going to be played a lot this weekend. And it should be right. I mean, he co-wrote it. Jackson Brown wrote what, the first verse and and half a line of the second and got uh, he got uh, writer's block and handed it off to Glenn Fry, who uh, brilliantly put together the rest of the song. And obviously the Eagles sure. did, did quite well with it. But 
there's something tricky about Take It Easy that I've I don't think I've ever seen a cover band get right. And so I want to go through this and in hopes that perhaps we can we can begin to fix this problem that happens with Take It Easy. And, <laughs> and it's the intro of Take It Easy. Everybody hears the intro and can never figure out where the drums come in. Right. So everybody just plays it straight and uh, and plays it as though the guitar starts on the one. It does not. Right. The guitar starts on the and of four. Right. There's a pickup. There's a half. There's an eighth note pickup. Right. So it's one, two, three, four, and two, three, and two. Right. And as long as you're counting it that way, the drums come in perfect. So I'm going to play a little snippet of the uh, or I'm going to play the intro of Take It Easy. And hopefully we're doing this in real time. Hopefully I can count it right because it, it throws me off, too. But I've done it enough where I think by the time the drums come in, I'll be able to count you in and you folks can hear where things are. So we're going to we're going to try this in real time. Never tried it before. Don't try this at home. Uh, try it on stage. And one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, two, three, four, and then you're in. And that's how easy it is. But if you yeah. lose, if you lose track of that, then everybody's You're all lost. over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you, you got it. I just kind of wanted to share that with everybody because it's not that hard. As long as you as a band look at each other, don't just let the guitar players start count in together and you'll be fine. I think it's just basically being comfortable with the concept of upbeats. Yes, but it doesn't sound like an upbeat. When you hear that, it sounds like it's coming in on a downbeat. It's like the intro of, of Zeppelin's rock and roll, right? which also starts on an upbeat. The drums come in on uh, the of a, a, a full beat earlier than that. It's one, two, three and four and one, right? You know, it comes on the end of three and that's how yeah. the drums come around on that one too. It's the same kind of thing. You just don't know. And, and it, you're used to things starting on the one. And so it sounds like the one until you get into the tune and you're like, wait a minute, where are we? You know? <laughs> so sure. Yeah. There was a, um, uh, someone posted a quote today from Don Felder, um, kind of a, a little bit of a eulogy or, or tribute to, to Glenn. And he was talking about what a great arranger Glenn was. And, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, that was Glenn's, that intro was Glenn's idea, you know, per se. Sure. But to your point, if you're going to go out and pay tribute to Glenn this weekend, get his songs right. Get it right. Yeah. It's, and it's not that difficult. Um, the much harder is getting all the harmonies right and, and all of that, but you can approximate those and people will be okay with it. Uh, but you know, Get the intro right. It, 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 yeah. The crowd won't care, frankly, doing. but you will. And that's important. Cool. That's All right. So I, we got a we got a really cool email. We love getting email from listeners and we got a, an email. Uh, I'll read it to you. Um, Dave and Paul just discovered you guys last week. Thanks to a Facebook post on Cover Band Central. Uh, I subscribe via iTunes podcast and I binge listen to 18 through 46. So he's going pretty hard here. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I wanted to take the time to tell you guys, I appreciate what you're doing and the honest and sincere, sincere discussions and advice you share. My band is a weekend warrior cover band from listening to you guys. I feel like we're doing a lot right, but I'm gleaning little things that can make us more successful. The big thing we are doing is transitioning from a strictly classic alt rock and adding some top 40 and country tunes, tunes, the end goal is to move from playing bars and moving into corporate wedding and festivals. Do you think you can cover or give advice on how to make this type of transition and get these types of gigs? 
and it's a it's a great question and it's an it's an interesting question that there are a lot of ways to approach this i actually similarly i had uh, a drink last night with a buddy of mine who's a local musician he's a he's a solo uh original artist and he's trying to make a life and living uh, a living in music and um you know we were just brainstorming ideas he does do covers and he's got that type of stuff and it's really kind of the same question how do i get better gigs and how do i how do i make you know the financials of, of playing in a band is, you know are better in certain situations what do I need to think about in order to put myself in a position to work in those things? So I thought we'd spend a little bit of time you know, kind of dissecting the question and coming up with some ideas. What do you think? I like it. This is great. Let's go. All right. Corporate weddings and festivals. Here's where I would start. Do you understand that these people are a customer and you need to do what they want you to do? It is the rare cover band that can purvey their own vision of music and can, can achieve, you know, those types of, of gigs. They are gigs where there's an expectation of you about providing a certain vibe, a certain feel, a certain quality, certainly. And I actually think it all starts there that, you know, the, the conversation is, are you willing to drop your, your, your perception of yourself and understand that if you want those types of gigs, especially the corporate and weddings yeah. festivals. There might be, a little, might be a little bit more leeway, but you know, are you willing to understand and really embrace the fact this is not about you specifically purveying your view of the world uh, onto somebody else in, in those gigs. In, oh, go, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Those gigs are about, about, meeting a base level expectation and then exceeding that base level expectations in terms of repertoire, in terms of sometimes it's about the show. I mean, you know, often in a, in a wedding, you know, you are there to make that bride and groom's day special for everybody that's there, you know, and if they have music that they like, that is the soundtrack to their life that they want you to play. Are you ready to learn those songs? Yeah. Maybe for a charge or, you know, whatever. Do you already have enough of them? in your repertoire where you can be considered for that type of stuff. Similarly, you know, corporate is, is a really interesting vibe because you're often getting hired by somebody whose butt is on the line that if you're not good, they're going to hear about it. So it's a, uh, it's an even more uh, complicated relationship to expectations of you having to meet. Sometimes you're actually going to meet the expectation of the person who hires you. Sometimes that person you know, is on the line to do something good for their boss, make their boss look, look at that stuff. So the, the point of this, it starts with, are you prepared to really understand that those, those gigs are about making somebody else happy to their expectations? To, to put and this in, gonna, in gig gab, uh, to frame this in, in using our history here in the gig gab to, uh, to, to do it, I would say the best way to explain it is, are you willing to drop a Springsteen song from your set and play the chicken dance instead? I am not Dave. There you go. <laughs> right. But that's, but I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the question you've got to ask yourself is pick your favorite song and set it aside. So you can play the chicken dance for the folks that want to hear that at the wedding. And there's nothing yes. wrong with it, but that's the question you're that, like, if, if you want a real world example, there it is. You got to swallow yeah. that every night. And if you're doing every the wedding night. thing, 
in addition to just playing the, the songs that people want, chances are you're the MC of that wedding. Someone in your band is unless you're told otherwise. Right. So don't show up for the gig without being ready and truly understanding the flow of a wedding. And now you're going to introduce the, you know, the, 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 the father of the bride. And you, you know, there's this whole flow that needs to happen. And more often than not, that's on you as the band leader or, or your band leader, whoever that person is, but it's, it's on you as the band to provide that service. And, and I'd add a- to that, that it's, it's not just about it being on you to provide that service. You have to provide that service very well, mm. joyfully. It is it is part of the gig. It is part of the performance. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to. Yeah, you need to at least make people believe that you are having the time of your life doing it. And that's the job of an MC. You know, it's but yes. but it's not. And the hardest part about being an MC, especially going from being you know a rock and roller on stage where everybody is you know adoring you, the job of the MC is to make everyone else look good. And, uh, Absolutely. and, and, and sort of, you know, deprecate yourself, not, not in a terrible way, but just deprioritize yourself. Whereas, you know, if you're the lead singer of a band, there's times when it's actually appropriate to prioritize yourself because that's what people want to see. And, and later in the night, that's actually what you need to be is you need to then, you know, shift gears and, and now there you are again, you know? So, yeah, I agree. So that's number one is it, do you accept the premise of what these gigs are requiring? And if you don't, you're going to have an uphill battle. I mean, it's not to say that you can't do it. If you're a great, you know, Pearl Jam tribute band, can you get a corporate or a wedding? Possibly. I'm just saying it makes it a lot harder, um, you know, to do it because the expectation for these events are that you you meet uh, you meet the needs of what your client is is having. And right. sometimes, I would sometimes actually, your client doesn't know what they want either. I The second night I was on the road with the Clambake. Uh, so the first night we played a gig in uh, Akron, Ohio, I think. And then the next night we played a private party. And when we got there, we realized it's a wedding. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. You know, like, I don't think these people that, I mean, the people that hired us knew we were, you know, this original kind of, you know, hippie jam band, Cajun, Klezmer, Zydeco, Bluegrass thing. They had seen the band many times, so they knew what they were. Yeah. They knew what they were getting, but they didn't even realize what they needed us to do. And so thankfully, our sax player had played in several wedding bands and he's like, all right, I got this. You know, I can I can <laughs> I can handle the, the the you know, the logistics of all this. I know what we need to do. And it was pretty laid back. I mean, they again, they knew they weren't getting like a tuxedoed wedding band and they weren't expecting that. But there were these these things throughout the evening that that they needed, even though they didn't know they needed them. They just like, oh, well, we hired a band. Everything's taken care of. Yeah, well, kind of, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, make make sure you know what you're in for. Yep. Absolutely. Number two, um, if you want to get into the market of competing for those gigs, you got to ask a really, really tough question yourself is how do you stand out? Do you distinguish your band in any way? So uh, if you are a three piece classic rock band, you know, are you able to cover cover the repertoire that's needed for these types of things? And what makes you different? You know, more commonly is kind of the four piece band 
that uh, you know, guitar, bass, drums, maybe stand-up singer, maybe a second guitar, maybe a maybe a keyboard player. But what is it about you guys that makes you different? I mean, it, you know, do you have a singer that is you know particularly powerful that you're going to build your premise of uniqueness around that person? Um, do you? Uh, there's a great band in my area that they've distinguished themselves by kind of they do what they call mashups. So they kind of do like a DJ show with live music. They they literally take musics from different um, genres and different eras and they string them together. Their sets are about an hour 15 long. The beat does not stop with these sets and they just go not only song to song, but within songs, they mash things up and that mashup approach. Yeah. That mashup thing is their kind of unique claim to things. There are the classic party bands and show bands that wear costumes and, and, um, have a show to their show, but you know, to go out and market yourself to, especially for corporate events. So that it's a little different corporate from weddings for corporate events. What makes you a corporate band? What makes you more entertaining? Just being, you know, playing the best version of Led Zeppelin's rock and roll is a tough, is a tough road to hoe. You know, it's, it's tough to stand out and convince anybody of your uniqueness. So, you know, it's like marketing any, any product, what makes you unique? Yeah. You know, is it is it that you're four guys with perfect blonde hair and your look is particularly great? If that's something that you recognize, it's not that you're going to go out and say, hey, we're the guys with blonde hair. But your pictures are going to, you know, make you stand out and make people take notice of it. You have to look in the mirror and decide what is it about your band and then find ways to market your band in a way that gets attention. We've said this before in this show that a lot of this stuff, especially the corporate stuff and the festival stuff, is a relationship based thing. Mm. You're going to be talking to somebody, you know, and you're going to be plying your relationship. How do you open the door to start that conversation? And the best way to open the door is to figure out what is unique about your brand, your band and your brand. Yeah. What are the things that make you different from everybody else in the marketplace? My band, it's a 10 piece band with a five piece horn section. We, we, our pictures show more people in the pictures. You come to see us. The sound is a bigger, different sound, you know, and and the arrangements are different. We have four or five things that when I talk about my band, other people, you know, we take, we take uh, Rolling Stones songs and we add, you know, horns to them to great effect. And I'll play them a demo, that type of thing. What is unique about your band? I would say if you're going to do the wedding thing, um, it's very difficult to do that successfully and regularly without a female singer in the band without both male and female singers in the band is what I should say, because you really need both of those to cover again. If you're doing sort of the generic typical wedding thing, you're going to need both male and female vocals to do that. Um, In terms of, to answer your question, which I realized was rhetorical, but uh, about how do you get your foot in the door? You're right that you have to come up with your, your marketing pitch and your angle for your brand that is your band. But um, here, a lot of times there's usually like one or two, I don't know, actually there's probably more of them each year, but I always know about a couple of them. They do these showcases where bands show up at like the mall or, or, you know, some place where they're all sort of pitching and anybody that's having a wedding coming up in, in that year's, you know, wedding season comes and gets to essentially interview you and, Bands don't typically play, but sometimes they will. Uh, but they certainly, you know, you, it's almost like a, a, a mini expo hall 
uh, yeah. where, where you, you know, you've got like a little a video screen and you show your band plan and you're there to talk to them or so, some representative of your band is there. Maybe you don't want your bass player because he comes across as a stoner. Fine. Leave him at home. You know, whatever that is. <laughs> well, really, I mean, you know, you're, you're putting your best foot forward. You know that your product on stage is great, but maybe that's the wrong person to talk to a prospective, you know, a bride to be or, or whatever it is, you know, so. Uh, do you guys have those there? The the showcase kind of uh, yeah, events. They're yeah. called wedding wedding fairs. Yeah, wedding. Yeah, what so you, what did you call it? I missed wedding, that. It's a wedding fair. F A I R E. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or, or bridal bridal fairs is what it is, and yeah, you'll get you know everybody's starting to plan their wedding, and there's everything from you know bakeries with their cakes to you know printers with their invitations. Every everything that goes into providing a service towards a wedding. And a lot of bands do do these things. Now, now interesting, like one of the guys in, in my band thinks that we could be a great wedding band and we play maybe three or four a year, maybe. Sure. Um, and you know, he makes his living from music and he'd like to see us get, you know, more better paying gigs. He's offered to, you know, be the guy who sits at the table, answers questions. And, and like you said, it's, it's a table. Usually bring a, a small TV and you loop your demo, your video demo, and you have CDs ready and cards ready to ha- and playlists ready to hand out. And it's a pretty good thing to do because the, the wedding thing is interesting to me because most people know someone in a band. Well, not most, many people and a lot of bands, you know, a bride wants something meaningful to her. And so if it's a if it's the band that they first dance to, you know, that's often how a lot of those decisions are made. So I guess the, the takeaway there is any gig you're at. <laughs> remember, there's potential business there. So, you know, if you want to be seen as a wedding band, even when you're playing a club, you're going to have to remember that, you know, be careful about your behavior on stage because you're, you're purveying your brand and it should be a consistent thing. So be ready that you're always auditioning. Second thing is always invite prospective clients. If you don't want to do those wedding fairs or bridal fairs, invite people to see you at these clubs. And it's, I think it's actually easier to get wedding gigs than it is to get the corporate gigs. Totally. Corporate gigs, the market for corporate gigs is usually made up of semi-professionals or professionals who aren't touring and that's, you know, it's good money for anybody. So a lot of the great corporate bands in my area, these are touring professionals and that's a, that's not a bad source of additional income for them or alternate income for them. But the wedding things is a lot about being in the right place at the right time. You know, constantly pitching yourself for these things, you know, playlist and look are probably two of the biggest things, you know, you have to, you know, wonderful tonight and, you know, the chicken dance and Mustang Sally and, and, and the, those songs that make a part of the house rockers, we only do it at weddings. You know, the cool and the gang celebrate. That's a, mm. one of the great all time, one of the great all time first songs to play at a wedding. And we pull it out for weddings and it always goes over. It is about making grandma and Aunt Ethel happy as much as it is making the rest of the family happy when you play these things. Going back to that, you really have to embrace that. That's what this gig is. You are not going to play a wedding and say, well, you haven't seen our Led Zeppelin's the ocean, you know, like you're not, you're not. (laughs) Can you count in seven? We can let's go. You know? (laughs) So, you know, it's having a repertoire suitable for weddings. You know, those classic songs, a lot of times a variety will help you because the the yeah. mother-in-law or, or the grandma it might be paying for the band. And, and, you know, I just want you to play, you know, this swing song from the forties, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but repertoire is important. And then of course, look, are you, 
Do you have promo stuff that shows you in suits or a tuxedo that, you know, you're, you're, you're wedding worthy, you know, yeah. that shows that you're, your image. Yeah. And again, if you, if you're stuck on, Nope, that's not my band's image. All the more power to you. It's just harder to get, get a wedding gig. Well, that's the thing is, is it's a different vibe and you, you have to be at some level. I mean, I know most people don't do wedding gigs just because, well, I, I would like to do them right. For the most part, you're driven to do it because there's money in it. Right. And, and it can, it can be a lucrative thing. That doesn't mean they're not fun. I've played plenty of weddings and they're a blast. But you have to you have to go in, even if you're only in it for the money, you've got to find a way to be happy doing it. Because, you know, if you're not going to be happy at some level, there's no way you're going to put on a good performance. Right. You, you know, you've got to be a pro and deal with all that. But you've got to be you've got to accept all this. If you go in thinking, all right, well, all I got to do is play the chicken dance once tonight. You know, if, if that's your attitude, it's not going to last. You, you've got to no, just embrace it. And, and the other thing, you know, playing in clubs, you're there to serve someone else. Yes. But you can be kind of loose with set timing. Sometimes, you know, you can turn a 20 minute break into a 30 minute break. And as long as the crowd's kind of happy and the club owners, your buddy, you know, it's going to be fine at a wedding. No, no, you are a cog in the machine that is happening that evening and not one, sure. not one bit of it is about you, right? So you've got to, if, if the sets are supposed to happen and you're supposed to start at eight or nine or whatever the time is, it, that's, that doesn't mean eight fifteen. you know, it means eight unless seven fifty five comes up and you feel the room and you're like, this is the wrong time. Then you go talk to the organizer and you say, Hey, I've done this a few times. If you want us to start in five minutes, we are ready. We will go. But my gut says we should wait till 820. Let people get another round of drinks in them. Then this thing is going to take off. And but, you know, but, smart. right. But you, I mean, and, and that is your job. You know, don't just blindly follow the, the, the guidelines, but be ready to. But also, you know, provide your expertise because I, I don't know. Weddings. Many, go ahead. Yeah. A few things. So weddings are. um the, to me, they're they're stressful on a number of levels. Number one, they're usually long days, especially increasingly as people are getting married and having the reception in the same place. You have to get in there before anything happens. Set up that could be four or five hours before your before your downbeat. And if it's you know a couple hours away from your house, you're just kind of there, right? Yep. So they're long days is one thing. Um, you, you know, some portions of the audience telling you to turn down is inevitable. Some portions of the audience, it's a guarantee. Some portions of the audience, once they have a few drinks in them, wanting to take issue with you for your, for your repertoire of what you may or may not know that happens to be their favorite song. Or wanting to Um, sit in. That's sitting. Oh, the worst. The worst. (laughs) Right. So, you know, you are, you are there and, and everybody knows you're there to serve, you know, the, the, and then on top of that, if you just kind of go to the pure, You've been entrusted with the most important day of two people's lives. Yeah. If you don't own that, you're a, you're a bad wedding band. If you don't embrace that, if you don't recognize that, you know, you're not guessing your way through a, a request. If that's remember how we had that yeah that conversation about your buddy who sang for Van Halen, and he said, you know, you never know if whether those are the words that were meaningful to the person who paid a hundred bucks. He say, well, this is kind of like that. You never know. If that request was a song that changed somebody's life 
and, you know, people get very emotional at weddings and they're very, you know, they're very intense moments for a lot of people. You know, people are projecting their hopes and dreams on the, on the, a young couple just getting started in life. A young couple, you know, is starting this new journey and they're trusting you to be a part of the memories that they're going to take with them forever. If you embrace it that way, and that's stressful, by the way, you know, that's, uh, yeah, just I mean, a little. It, yeah, it, it's a privilege, but it's stressful. So this is the whole thing about being a good wedding band is like, do you accept the full responsibility of what's really being asked for you? Do you understand the full responsibility? I mean, it turns out to be a nine or 10 hour day. You know, you're three or four hours of playing three or four hours of, of waiting around, you know, and then a drive to and from, yep. you know, it's, it's per hour and <laughs> maybe, maybe not that much different from what you're getting at your club gigs, but, but um, it is, it's a thing. I, I actually, I, I like weddings more than I like corporate gigs, corporate gigs, you know, again, people misbehave, you know, they're in their work environment and, and, uh, you're often the worst background music. I mean, there, at least when you play a wedding, it is a celebration that you are there to be a facilitator of often for corporate gigs. If you have in your mind, you know, 20,000 people from company X, you know, rushing the stage because it's their company celebration. And thank you for being here. It is often not that it is often people in silos gathered around the bar drinking until the inhibitions are all the way gone yeah. two and a half hours into a three hour gig. And then, you know, a pretty decent time. The last half hour is, you know, but paying that's, attention, that's typical you, for a corporate gig. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's where it really is important to feel the room and, and have a good rapport with the organizer or whoever it is that, that, you know, that hired you because starting a half hour too early can ruin the night. It, you know, if you wait until people are loose, it, it can, it, you know, it can go much better than if you start too early and then people just decide this sucks and it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And how you approach that organizer and say, Hey, you know, I do a lot of these. Here's a suggestion. you be careful because a lot of times the organizer will be, no, my boss is watching. I paid for three hours and we're, we, I want three hours. Right. I mean, that could be the answer that you can get back. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Some, and, and I've had that. And it's like, okay, you know, but then you can't go up on stage and say, well, I'm going to prove myself right either. It's okay. You know, we're told we have to play. We know this is the wrong thing to do, but we're not going to act like we know this is the wrong thing to do. You know, maybe tweak your set list a little and play the, the softer tunes and, you know, don't don't dig in, maybe cut a cut a solo short here or there just to get through and get people happy. Maybe keep the set to, you know, 40 minutes and then let people get another drink or whatever it is. But, yeah, you got to keep a smile on your face and, and act like whatever they want you to do is what you want to do. You are, you're working for the man. I mean, yeah. pretty much yeah. that's thing that you probably want to get away from is why you play music. <laughs> yeah. You're getting back into that. that yeah. That's, you know, that's actually a good way to, to, to that. That's a good way to put a cap on this is, is yeah. A lot of people get into this to, to avoid that. And then you start chasing the money and guess what? You're right back in that. Um, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, I like doing weddings, but only when I'm hired to do them and the people know what they're getting. Like, you know, we don't bill fling or even chafed. And I've done weddings with both of those bands. Uh, we don't bill either one as a wedding band. We're not, 
we don't fit into that realm at all. I mean, I've played in a band where we wore suits every every gig and, and we did some weddings there, but we were also just a club band and, and we just wore suits because it would it kind of fit the whole sort of Beatles Stones thing that that, that band was doing. But um but you know, Fling and Chafe don't don't emit that wedding vibe. But we've done plenty of weddings with with each of them. And I like it as long as kind of everybody knows going in, okay, we're not a wedding band, but we're happy to play your party for you. And we get that your party is a wedding. That's cool. Let's just all kind of know that we're going to do what we can for you, but don't expect us to be that typical wedding band. Cause if that's what you want, then, you know, go get somebody else and that's okay. You know, Absolutely. Um, and those can be fun because they're more laid back because then it's not your traditional wedding. It's just a party. All right. Good stuff, man. So that uh, question was sent in by our new listener, Kevin Cooper. And Kevin, hope we helped you out a little bit today. And I'm sure we'll be delving back into the subject matter from time to time because it's it's on everybody's mind. How do you get better paying gigs and, you know, what goes into getting better paying gigs? Yeah. And do you want them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You want the money. I know that. But yeah. Do you want the better paying gigs? Yeah. Yeah. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com is where Kevin sent his note. And please feel free to send us anything you like there. Comments, questions, tips. Uh, If you want to teach us how to count the intro to another song, we are happy to share that too. Whatever it is. It's all good stuff. And visit us on Facebook, Podcast. Anything else before we uh, put a cap on this one this week? No, good discussion. Uh, yeah, please listen and uh, like us on Facebook. We want to build that audience there, build that community. We have a couple interesting plans for getting the community talking to each other. So be a part of that and um, and uh, more good stuff to come. Nam this week, Dave. I know. You're going to have to tell me all about it, Paul, because I uh, I've done enough travel lately. So I, you're, you were right I last week to to advise me not to try and squeeze Nam in. So I appreciate that. I got your back. I know. <laughs> I, I was about to make a stupid decision. So that was, it was good. So <laughs> thanks folks. We will see you next week. See ya.